is the Baltimore Ravens week 11 matchup with the Cincinnati Bengals in prime time. A what must win game. We talk about that and so much more coming up next here on this episode of Locked on Ravens. You are Locked on Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into another edition of Locked On Ravens or your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Allstriker of Ravens Wire here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, thank you so much for being here today, making Locked On Ravens your first listen each and every day or free and available on all podcasts and platforms, including a video form on YouTube, an audio form wherever you get your shows. Be sure to subscribe and follow along. Today's episode of Locked On Ravens is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Push your job for free at linkedin.com slash LockedOnNFL. LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnNFL to push your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Really excited for this episode today. We have a first-timer coming on the show to talk Ravens, talk a little Marlon Humphrey too. Jack Settlement, obviously of one half of the punchline pod with Marlon Humphrey. Also, snapback. The question with Jack is, where can't you find him? Because he's he, he's doing everything everywhere. Jack, I'm excited to have you on the show to talk Ravens and obviously talk Marlon also. Appreciate you. Glad to be here. Big fan of yours. And if you are listening or watching on YouTube, rather, you might see some orange walls behind me. Bad, bad wall choice, bad room choice I picked for this episode with the Cincinnati Bengals on Thursday and coming off a of Browns loss. Orange is just not our color. Man, you might be an undercover Bengals fan. I know we are talking about that before the show, so I'm, I'm going to have to keep an eye on, on your activities here. But this Bengals game is huge, Jack. I mean, especially you've mentioned that Browns loss. People are calling it a must-win for them. I know the Ravens are at the top of the division right now, but you, you look kind of at the standings. And Cincinnati's a team where if you can beat them on Thursday, you get the tiebreaker, first of all. But then it's kind of, it's kind of a trickle down effect because their AFC conference record goes in the gutter, their AFC North record goes in the gutter. Are you classifying this game, even though it's week eleven? It's not week seventeen. But are you saying this is a must win? <laughs> it's not a must win. Ravens Twitter's the best. Ravens fans are the best. They're more passionate than any fan base in the in the league. But this isn't a must win. The Ravens are still first in the division. They're still, you know, the two seed in the AFC as it stands. And, you know, if they miss a field goal, similar to how Will Lutz tried to miss a field goal last night, then they would be the one seed. So it's it's tough to say a must win. Now, it's a game that the Ravens should win. And what I mean by that is the Bengals are coming off a tough loss. The Ravens are coming off a tough loss. But the Ravens have home field advantage, and it's off a short week. And you have seen two things on Thursday Night Football. One, the game is going under. We know this puppy is going to be low scoring. But two is that the Ravens have the advantage by playing at home. Uh, both sides fairly dinged up. That's common for a Thursday night game. The Ravens should win the game. They need to win the game, but they don't must win the game. <laughs> I, I, I agree. I think that, look, you can classify it as close to a must win as you want to, but their season does not end on Thursday night if they yeah. don't win. Obviously, it would hurt two straight AFC North losses would hurt probably in the worst way, but they still have opportunity to bounce back from that. But what would your panic meter be on a scale of one to 10 with the Browns loss, how it went? And then depending on how Cincinnati goes, if they drop that one. 
I think the panic meter is likely just this feeling of anxiety of does the Chargers game become a, a must win? Is it a must win again? Technically, no, but it would really feel bad to lose three straight going into the bye week and then coming out of that knowing you got to go to San Francisco, you're going to play Miami down the stretch, you still have to play Pittsburgh, who you struggle to beat. So I think that's the anxiety it would create by losing. If you want to talk must win for the Chargers game, that might be it. But Let's be honest. The Ravens, historically, the best thing we do is go on the road in the playoffs and win games. I mean, even the one win in Lamar Jackson's career was on the road. The Ravens last year should have beaten Cincinnati on the road, didn't even have Lamar Jackson. I find it hard to believe that the Ravens have to be front runners. Now, it would be ideal to be the one seed. It would be great. But I had a thought just last week. I was like, I don't want this to be like 19 where the Ravens roll everyone. They feel confident. I need some hiccups. Then the hiccup comes on Sunday, and I'm like, it was way more fun when we were just beating everyone, especially the AFC North opponents. So I don't think it's a must win this week, next week, but it's games that, of course, we want to win. And even you, you can go back to their Super Bowl winning year in 2012, 2013. They ended that year terribly. I mean, Dumbly. they had, what was it, four straight losses, lost three or four or something like that. They kind of limp into the playoffs. They fire their offensive coordinator in December. I know the Bills just made that move on Monday or on yeah. Tuesday, excuse me. But it's it's not like the Ravens have to win every game from here on out. And if they lose, the season's over. They have opportunities. Yeah. But this is a different Bengals team, Jack. I mean, we know that Joe Burrow was not Joe Burrow in week two. The calf injury... Yeah. We can debate whether Cincinnati mismanaged that or not. I happen to think they did. They put them on IR. I think they're one and three anyway, if they put them there, depending if they don't. But they might not have T. Higgins, and this one seems unlikely he's going to play in this one. But you have to give credit where it's due because Marlon missed that game in week two. And Brandon Stevens, he pretty much locked Jamar Chase up. T. Higgins was the one that did the most damage. If Marlon does have to miss this game, how confident are you in the secondary with what you've seen? Honestly, not wildly comfortable or confident. I think Joe Burrow is one of the top five quarterbacks in the NFL. I think Jamar Chase is one of the top five wide receivers in the NFL. I think safety-wise, you've got Marcus, Kyle, and Gino. That's got to be the best trio of safeties in the NFL right now. But I would say corner, I you know, it's funny. I host a podcast with Marlon Humphrey. I was banging on the on the drum at the deadline saying, we need corner depth. You know, it's nice to have Rocky Sin and Ronald Darby as names, but are those guys startable guys if someone like Brandon or Marlon went down for a couple weeks? Well, we're about to see it, and you're about to face. I mean, hopefully T. Higgins doesn't play on Thursday, but if he did, would anyone feel comfortable against that? Now, the beauty of the whole thing is, especially against Cincy, Mike McDonald just owns Joe Burrow for the most part. He's going to sit guys back there. He's going to make him dink and dunk. But it worked really well for Cleveland. That was the adjustment the Browns made. So um, I wouldn't say confidence levels would be too high, to be quite honest. But it's something that the Ravens should be able to also handle. I think they have depth. I'm with you. I would have loved a Rasul Douglas or a Dante Jackson. Like those, I know they were never getting past Rattan. They were never getting Jair Alexander. Like those guys were, were never getting moved. But just to have the depth for situations like this, because it's a long season. And even though we're more than halfway done, there's still there's potential for injuries. And even though the Ravens have been relatively healthy since week three, you can have games like Cleveland where guys just go down. And, I mean, thankfully, those injury replays did not look wonderful, but John Harbaugh revealing their, their day-to-day, which I think is one of the best-case scenarios here. But Mike McDonald, you mentioned that. That's where, that's where I wanted to go next because he has been the Bengals' Joe Burrow's kryptonite. It feels like they've just been locked in. Joe Burrow has struggled 
against Mike McDonald-led defenses. And part of that, you mentioned it. They, they do the too high stuff. They don't really let him go deep. They say, go beat us with the short stuff, but we're not going to let you get anything deep on us. And it has really hit. And Joe Burrow's not the strongest armed quarterback in the NFL either. So to me, it's like, I want Joe Burrow to prove it against Mike McDonald before I say, oh, well, I'm 100% on the Joe Burrow beats the Ravens stream because of the secondary, you know? Yeah. I mean, last year's game, I think, is probably indicative of what this year's game is going to look a lot like. And you have to get comfortable being uncomfortable in McDonald's defense playing against Joe Burrow, which means it felt like Joe Burrow in the second half killed the Ravens last year. But how many points do they score? And that is quite literally the method to the madness, which is saying, as long as we bend, don't break, this is the defense that we want to play. Make it make a mistake, get a stack, disrupt a drive, get a drop, get a fumble, whatever it might be. Just don't let up the big play. And I think that, you know, we saw it against Cincy uh, earlier this year. The Ravens, they really kept everything in front of you. And the Bengals were still able to score what they score, 17, 20, 24 points in that game. So it's not like the Ravens are going to have to, you know, score 13 points. They're going to have to put up points. But I do think it's this is the right strategy. The league uses against Patrick Mahomes. They use it against all the great quarterbacks. So I feel comfortable in that. And I think also Cincinnati's offensive line has been a lot more patchy than I thought it would have been. Like, to their credit, they've they've gone out there and tried to fix it. Like we knew it was an issue a couple of years ago. There was the whole Panesuo versus Jamar Chase debate, which took yeah. over the NFL <laughs> draft and pr- honestly still does at points. But they've signed Alex Caput, Ted Karras. Obviously, they signed Orlando Brown Jr. But even with all that, their offensive line doesn't look great. But here they are against Cleveland with their fourth and fifth string tackles, and it didn't look the way I thought it would necessarily look. So coming up in the second part of the show, we'll get into that Ravens and Browns game, wrap that up, and kind of just throw it away and never talk about it again. So be sure to stay tuned, playing to talk about here on Locked on Ravens. First, this episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. And these days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stage wager for your small business. You always will be 100% certain you have access to the best qualified candidates available. Well, that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs to find the right people for your team faster and for free. And I've had a ton of great experiences over on LinkedIn, whether it's finding jobs, sending jobs to friends, helping people out. LinkedIn has a lot going on. Plus, it's really easy to create a free job post over on LinkedIn Jobs. All you have to do is add your job on the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. There's simple tools you can use, like screening questions, to make it easy to focus on the cancer's best way, skills and experiences. So you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and who you'd like to hire. And it's really important to both start and end the year strong, and the right team member might be able to help you do that. That's why small businesses rent LinkedIn Jobs. Number one, delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs wants to find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster with your job before you at LinkedIn.com slash lockdown NFL. Let's thank.com slash lockdown NFL to push job before your terms and conditions apply. And this episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook and score early this NFL season of FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team was. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's a better time to get in on the action. The app is super easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options that include spreads, player props, over-unders, and a lot more. So for this Thursday game against Cincinnati for the Ravens, I don't know. Those games always seem to be pretty pretty sloppy. So maybe the under would be what you want to bet there. But they have so many great options over on FanDuel. So this is FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to kick off the NFL season. FanDuel official partner of the NFL. We're back. Our second segment, LockedOn Ravens. Kevin Olshiker still here with Jack Settleman. And Jack, let, let's just talk about the Cleveland game. I mean, we have to do it. But with it being Wednesday here, this Wednesday episode, we got to move forward and look to Cincinnati. But you can take some of that stuff that we saw against Cleveland and one, either never do it again because it was bad, or two, improve upon it. 
What, what were your takeaways from that game? For me, they just it felt like they got out physical on both sides of the ball. Felt like Cleveland wanted it more in the second half. The plays I keep going back to the David and Joku play where he just kind of takes Geno Stone for a ride. Yeah. Jerome Ford in the offensive line pushing for 15 yards. How how the Ravens blow this one in your opinion? I'm glad you said that because I see a lot of Ravens Twitter being like the only team that's beaten the Ravens this year is themselves. And I think that's fairly true for the first two losses against Pittsburgh and then against Indy. The Cleveland Browns beat the Baltimore Ravens on Sunday. Even if you want to say they just beat them in the second half, that's fine. But they beat the Ravens and they out them and they dominated them. And they made adjustments because Deshaun Watson was six for 20 in the first half. And then they went to the short game and then Deshaun Watson escaped the pocket. And I hate Deshaun Watson. Like, I think he is. I, I'm not going to share how I truly feel about Deshaun Watson, but you got to give him credit. He played very very well on sunday took what the defense gave him and made those adjustments and they just beat the ravens so i can't say that the ravens beat themselves um who to blame that is what i'm learning the ravens fan base's favorite thing to do after a loss there has to be someone to blame the problem is it's a 60 minute game and there's so many plays that happen that you can blame someone you know for every single little play if you want someone to blame i'll give you a hot take i'll blame roquan smith because the difference between, um, which is weird to blame someone who had 21 tackles, you know, <laughs> and and is is the fearless leader of your defense. But this is the angle I'll play with. This team on Sunday against the Browns felt nothing different than 19 when they got bullied by the Titans, by in 20 when they got bullied by the Bills, in and also in 19 when they got bullied by the Browns. And it felt like that had changed when Roquan Smith came to town. And then I saw it rear its ugly head on Sunday. So if I'm going to pick anyone to blame, I'm going to jokingly say, Roquan Smith, like, get your defense. You know, not PQ looked like his old self, right, where he was missing tackles, getting out physical. The D-line got out physical. That's not the Ravens that we've come to see since we made that amazing trade for Roquan Smith. You want to blame Lamar for hitting a dude in the head? Sure, blame him. You want to blame Harbaugh for whatever? Uh, you want to blame Munkin for not giving Keaton the ball? Sure, it all plays into it. But I'm more concerned with seeing that that type of Ravens team, which I thought we had kind of turned that corner with Van Noy and Clowney bringing that veteran presence with Roquan leading that defense. That's my biggest concern. And I feel like, you know, even with Deshaun, he was hurt too. You know, had the ankle hurt. in the first half. I think aggravated his shoulder in the third or fourth, the second half. Yeah. And still, he was breaking tackles. I, he, I, I counted probably five or six at least broken tackles where we've talked about that for years, where the Ravens just cannot wrap up quarterbacks and get them down. As they, they're the escape artists and everything happens there. But the word that I've used, and it's to your point, the word I've used for this Ravens defense all year has been physical. Like they have yeah. hit hard. They've been physical, dominated the line of scrimmage. And it just kind of felt like Cleveland took their soul in the second yeah. half. And just, especially with no Dewan Jones, no Jedrick Wills, no Jack Conklin, you have fourth yeah. and fifth string tackles and they can't get the job done. Yeah. I, I mean, that's what it is. Like we were, we were salivating saying, okay, yeah, we might be missing a couple guys, but look who the Browns are missing. You know, we are going to get after them. And to be fair, we did get after them. Like I, I think Deshaun escaped plenty of sacks. He made plays with his legs, but that's my concern is that he he made those plays. Those are the plays where Big Ben, of course, used to make those plays, but Sizzle used to hit him and knock him down, and Ray Lewis the same. And it's just like we cannot go back to those old days where the Ravens' defense is soft. I, I just can't see it happen. And I think another – if you flip over to offense, 
the deep passing game has been a huge topic of conversation with Lamar. Obviously, last week against Seattle didn't really matter because they blew Seattle out of the water, but missed two Rashad Bateman deep touchdowns. This week, the Zay Flowers play, even dating back to last year, the deep ball passing has been inconsistent. He's hit on throws. Like, I'm not yep. saying he's, he hasn't hit on a deep ball in the past two seasons, but I think it's been too inconsistent to be sustainable for a, you got to hit those in the playoffs. You got to hit those if you play in the Super Bowl. So what's your take on the deep passing game right now? Because receivers seem to be getting open, but Lamar's either overthrowing them or not putting it in a place where they can get the ball. The wheel route to Keaton Mitchell is probably the best thrown ball of the entire weekend uh, outside of Russell Wilson. So, you know, it's a little bit, you know, 2020 because right. the Zay clip, he's so open versus Keaton. He literally throws through a guy's arm into the end zone. Um, no, the, the deep ball has always been an issue. He's got the arm strength. I think it's just controlling it. I would even say, you know, people were up in arms when Rashad didn't jump for that pass, the interception against Tennessee. I feel like Zay Flowers could have maybe left the ground for that one. I mean, I don't know if he catches it. Zay's a smaller guy, but that one didn't seem as big of a miss as as years past. Um, I would love to see, obviously, deep ball connections, big plays like that. That's what we want. Ravens lead the league in explosive plays this season. Obviously, a lot of them are going to be through the through the ground, but I don't think we're too far off from that issue. Um so I would I would just hope that we hit those plays. I don't really know if there's an answer. That seems to be a skill, a touch, uh, more repetitions, getting on the same page. Because at the end of the day, when you think about hitting a deep shot, like the precision that you need to hit someone in stride, it's tough. It's not easy. And, you know, he's had no continued continuity, however you would pronounce that <laughs> word, with Rashad Bateman. It's his first year with Odell and with Zay Flowers. So, you know, it, it's tough to say in week nine or ten, this is where this team's got to be. And that's my constant reminder to Ravens fans. Of course, we want to win every game. Setting ourselves up for success means the one seed. It means all these things. But let's see where we're at week 17. Odell got a little burst back last week. Rashad looks a little more active, right? Like, Let's see where we look at the end of the season. Let's not freak out week by week. Yeah, and I also think the Ravens just aren't calling a lot of deep passes anyway. Like, they're, they're not stretching the field. And I know yeah. that some people have had some gripes with Todd Munkin's play calling. I think in this one, I was a little – I didn't know why they moved so far away from the run. I mean, especially Keith Mitchell. That was the whole yeah. topic of conversation. <laughs> and whether yeah. that's Harbaugh's call, whether that's Munkin's call – I don't know where it was, but obviously Keaton Mitchell should have gotten more than four touches considering he averaged 16.5 yards per touch. And the fact that he didn't get his last one until, or it was, I think it was what, two minutes in the third quarter, he got his last touch. I mean, how have you kind of looked at the Todd Munkin era this year based off of your expectations before the year going into it? I think it's been great, but I think it's a work in progress. And I think that having nine games of repetition is amazing, but like, let's double that and see where we're at. That That is where... I would just keep banging the drum. This team and this offense and this defense even is not going to be complete this week. It's not going to be complete next week. But if it gets completed by the end of the season, then we're in a really good spot. I mean, if you think it's not better than Greg Roman's offense over the last couple of years, I think you're insane. But, you know, we're headed in that direction. And I think that also – the fact that the Ravens did not, they didn't bring Todd Munkin in to revamp 100% of their offense. John Harbaugh yeah. made it very clear that they were going to keep some of the stuff that Greg Roman implemented because, look, the running game was one of the best, if not the best, in the league for yeah. almost every single season. The reason they bring Todd Munkin in is to diversify the passing game. 
And you now surround Lamar with weapons. You mentioned Odell, Zay Flowers. You still have Rashad Bateman, some of those guys. But you're right. It's not going to – there was never going to be – they're going to be putting up 40 points every single week from week one to week 18. They're, and they they're, scored 31. I mean, right. do, do they get credit? Prochet drops the punt, and you also get a defensive touchdown. Yeah. But not like the offense was bad. It had a disastrous fourth quarter. Now, if that wants to be a concern for Ravens fan, of course, you got to perform in the clutch. But I also think it gets overblown. For every double-digit lead that the Ravens have blown this year, which is three and not fun to think about, They've also held on to seven of them and created seven double-digit leads. So that's – I just can't overreact week by week. I can look at things and say we need room for improvement here. We need this to go this way. But to act like, you know, Harbaugh was coach of the year, Lamar's MVP, Ravens the best team in the in the league, and then six days later, fire Harbaugh, Munkin stinks, Lamar's – you know, you know how it goes. No, and that's – it's it's a week-to-week thing, and obviously – the results of a game. I mean, if the Ravens win that game, if they hold, if they, if Dustin Hopkins misses that kick, what's yeah. the conversation? You know, I, I think it's more, I actually think it would be more level headed, but a lot of the same, at least for me, it would be okay. Lamar can't make that mistake right in the fourth quarter, even though I, I actually do believe that one was fairly unlucky. Uh, Keaton Mitchell needs to touch the ball more in the fourth. There are still issues. Like, I, I just think it's more level headed. And we don't go to a place where, you know, we're screaming, fire everyone. This is never going to happen. The season's over. Like, like, like we may have. And I can understand, you know, if the Ravens lose in the wild card round this year, if they lose in the divisional round, there, there could be a conversation about John yeah. Harbaugh to say, all right, they haven't made the Asian championship game since they won the Super Bowl, but they're not going to fire him during the season like it's no. just it's it's never gonna happen i think no. there there is a contingent of people who are saying well, look they need to make the change now mcdonald's gonna leave in the off season you can have conversations when it happens and i'm totally okay to have them because i do think that you can't get complacent being a good regular season yep. team and then not you know progressing but i think that harbaugh still is a good coach the issue is that there have been those mistakes like not calling the zay timeout to let him know on the yep. the safety punt the miscues here and there but to say they're going to fire him during the season i think that that's a little premature at least for me it's just never happening like you said like we don't even have to address those types of conversations but in the offseason sure and if you want to have the conversation throughout and say he needs to prove this i'm cool with that too everyone needs to prove it literally every player needs to prove it week in week out so it's not just for john harbaugh but yeah he's he's going to be coaching the ravens through through the end of the season whenever that may be yeah, so I think this team just they, they need to bounce back. Great teams bounce back is what it is. You, you can't let this affect your your mindset for sure. And coming up in the final part of the show here, I'll be talking with Jack about Marlon Humphrey a bit, talking about his show with him and also just his play in general. So be sure to stay tuned, plan to talk about here on the show. First, this episode is brought to you by Prize Pitch. And if you're looking for daily fantasy sports, look no further than Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the most fun so many have had winning up to 25 times their money this football season. All you have to do is select two or more players, pick more or less in their projected stats, and place your entry. With basketball season here, you can now pick combo projections across football and basketball from the Specials League. And that's the league created specifically for combo projections that include two or more players from different sports or leagues. It's really cool. For example, if you're a LeBron James fan, you can take LeBron James plus Travis Kelsey at 10 and a half 
combo of three-pointers made plus receptions. And if you want to play alongside some of the prize picks, favorite players like rapper Meek Mill and comedian Andrew Schultz, you can. Now you can do that in community plays under the promos tab of the app to view entries from some of the biggest names in the prize picks community each week. Plus, prize picks offers a reboot policy so that your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. Football and basketball games, you have a player who exits the game in the first half and does not return to the second. That player is rebooted. Prize picks is the only daily fantasy sports platform with an injury insurance policy. So, Go to prizepicks.com slash LockdownNFL and use code LockdownNFL for first boss match up to $100. Again, that's prizepicks.com slash LockdownNFL and use code LockdownNFL for first boss match up to $100. Prizepicks, daily fantasy sports made easy. We are back rounding out Locked On Ravens with Jack Settlement. I am Kevin Allstriker. And Jack, I'm excited for this segment. I, I want to get the inside, as much <laughs> as you can tell me at least, the inside scoop on Marlon. You host the Punchline Pod with him. We've been at it now for a couple months and dating back. But I, I want to start with this one. This is the question I'm waiting to ask all episode. Obviously, you had a pre-podcast perception of what Marlon was as a person, as a player. As you've gotten to know, first of all, what was that pre-podcast perception? And then how has it been knowing him and what has changed about that perception? Yeah, I got I got linked up with Marlon probably two or so years ago through a business that we work with who thought that like what Marlon was doing and how he wanted to be post-career and even during his career made a lot of sense to just connect us. I mean, you know how active off-season Marlon is on social, tweeting his life and and posting all the all the funny content that he does. Um, and just being in the content space, obviously that made sense. So we've been friends for a little, uh, just virtually we'd met a couple of times. But then when this athlete podcast stuff really came to fruition, he was like the first name that we thought of that just made so much sense. So we did a pre-meet kind of in Canada um, and, you know, really set the stage for what this was going to look like. My perception of him was he's like got his head on straight on and off the field, which I thought was really cool. Um, he was funny on social media. And, and the biggest thing was he had this personality that was built to actually do this thing. I I see a lot of athletes who start this podcasting stuff. And it's just like, to be honest, you have to be good. Like you need distribution, you need to show up every week. But at some point, you need to be talented. That has never been a question. And I've only been convinced of that even more with Marlon. Um, and then post perception, now that you know, we record at his place, we built a studio in his in his spot in Baltimore. Um, so I do see a little more of the behind the scenes and what it's like. And, um, uh, he is even weirder than I think I could have ever imagined. Um, I I'm trying to think of like what example would best tell the story. He told a story on our podcast that comes out also on Wednesday with Patrick queen, where he's saying like, he fell into this rabbit hole, just learning about musical talents and he's like sitting up in front of the computer at three in the morning because of reddit you know what i mean so he's just he's just an interesting guy and i think that has also helped just teach me you know we had gino stone and van noy and hamilton all on the show like seeing them all just in their natural element these guys are all human like that's really the biggest takeaway is these guys are all human they love to play football they study their film they go to practice but like there's actually a lot of hours outside of their job that they are very happy to play video games, hang with their partners, you know, do whatever they do. Um, and you just learn that these people are as weird as we are. Right. Like if someone were to observe my life and me singing while working out or whatever it may be, you know, they're just humans. Yeah. And that to me is awesome because whether it's, you know, 
athlete podcast or you know Ravens Wire doing their thing every week, getting an inside behind the scenes look, I think is really important because there is an unfair conception that oh, oh yeah. these guys just play sports and that's all yeah. they do for 24 hours a day. But there, there is so much more. And part of that, you mentioned you had Geno Stone and Van Noy. You've been very vocal about not the Punchline Podcast curse, it's the Punchline Podcast blessing. That <laughs> these guys, the they, they come on the show and they go out and they ball out. I don't, know, I don't know if you're superstitious or how superstitious you are, but look, you're, I think you're batting 100, 1,000 right now, if anything, because these guys just come on the show. They have the games of their lives the next week. Yeah, we we have PQ coming on this Wednesday show, and I'm I'm hoping Thursday is a big Patrick Queen moment. You know, people are joking that like, can Marlon use the the curse for not you know not the curse, but the the blessing for himself? Um, you know, when Marlon first came back, it was it was also the Orioles were in the playoffs, so I went to that Orioles game. They get schlacked. And walking into the game, we're watching on my phone, and it's like, oh, George Pickens touchdown. I'm like, who was it on? Please don't say Marlon. And it was like, obviously, on Marlon Humphrey. And so there were concerns, like, you know, maybe coming off an injury, he just wasn't ever going to be the same. And then I think the next game maybe was Detroit. No, not Detroit. It was, it, there were a couple games and two or three games into it, he just wasn't the same. And then, the Seattle game, he was real. Seattle and Arizona, he played really, really well. He had, he had the penalty in the end zone. But the Seattle game, I was like, okay, I think Marlon Humphrey is back. Like, he is he is back to being locked down. And the numbers really show it, too. Obviously, you got a couple flags in there. But the numbers show, like, he's let up, you know, one or two catches per game, if that. Um, which is why I'm most bummed for him because this injury is obviously going to set him back. And playing on the foot. This is another thing that I really learned um, that I never thought about, right? Have you ever been hurt in your life? And it's like, all right, my shoulder hurts. The first time you go and play, you're obviously not at 100%. But when we think of pro athletes, we think, oh, if they're playing, I should expect 100%. But realistically, like the Steelers version of Marlon Humphrey and then the week after, that was probably like 75% of Marlon. You know what I mean? Um, so I think we probably won't get 100% of Marlon with the calf until later in the season. I I want them to just rest him through the bye. Obviously, fans want him back. You want to guard Jamar and all that, but it's just not worth it. Like, we have a goal to get to the end of the season, and putting him at risk is that. So, um, yeah, he, he finally was getting back to form, which I was excited for him. Yeah, and I mean, look, the Ravens need to have their guys healthy in the playoffs. And you're right. It's awesome to have him back for this week. Great, but – what that you can guard Jamar Chase for two quarters, you go down and the injury is so much worse. You know, like that, that's something. And the Ravens have taken that approach. I think ever really since the JK injury, the first yeah. one that they've, they've kind of said, okay. And even you can talk about Marcus Williams too, because there has been some controversy about him and the, the arm, the singular arm tackle where yeah. then he has, the, he has the hamstring and time to heal up. And then I still saw him made it make a couple of like weird one arm attempts on on that so i don't know what yeah. you take on marcus I, can, I can give you the inside scoop on marcus too uh which is people like bench him till he's healthy marcus is actually healthy which might sound crazy to say he i believe you know this is kind of reading between the lines here but it sounds like he just doesn't want to one risk re-injury um because although he's healthy and could tackle he doesn't really see a purpose to it. Now, Ravens fans would obviously disagree with that. And two, I think it's a little bit of a confidence issue where he's just like, 
I heard it and I don't want to re-injure it and I'm not comfortable yet, but he is cleared to play. So I, I think like he should be out there. It obviously gets highlighted when like he's just running around and, you know, with one arm, but from what it seems like, you know, Marcus is good to go and will get back to tackling, you know, as the season progresses. And that's kind of what John Harbaugh said a little bit too during Monday, where he's like, he's going to keep ramping up, keep getting better. And I know fans don't necessarily want to hear that because it's like, well, what do you mean? He's healthy. Just go out there and tackle the guy. But as you talked about, there's that inside perspective and it is so different because for some athletes, they can, you know, just go out there. Hey, I'm hundred percent. Let's just go play ball again. But for others, it does take a week or a couple weeks or a month or however long that timeline is. I'm, I'm not a pro athlete, but I, I injured my, uh, I think it's a TLCC maybe it's like a, it's the meniscus of the wrist and I wear a wrist guard. I've worn it for the last two years. I like am fully operational there, but still in the back of my head, I'm like, all right, I don't want to lift too heavy on this part of, you know, my wrist. Right. And so I can only imagine something that happened a few weeks ago. It's just that is life, right? And that is football. And fans expect if he's on the field, he should be tackling as hard as, you know, the rest of the team. But it's just they're humans. They just really are. Yeah. So I say definitely not panic mode for the Ravens right now. Again, they've been pretty healthy since week three. Obviously, this past week was not wonderful, but hopefully Marlon will come back soon. Ronnie Stanley, same thing. And Ravens have a big opportunity on Thursday night for sure. But Jack, I appreciate your time. Thanks so much for hopping on. Please tell people where they can find you, what you're working on, of course, and also what's coming up this Thursday. Yeah, I wish we could go daily like you do and and be (laughs) as frequent with the content. So make sure you guys listen to this show, the Locked On podcast uh, or the Locked On Ravens podcast. Um, And then after you're done with that, check out Punchline. We're really pushing the YouTube channel. So even if you just like to listen to audio, you can find us on Apple and Spotify, but you can also listen on YouTube. You just don't have to watch. Um, We do that every Wednesday with Marlon. It's a lot of fun. And then you can find my socials at Jack Settleman. Love to engage. That's like my number one thing. Even though we've compiled millions of followers across our Snapback Sports platforms, I'm still, I would say, like one of the most active replies, DMs, whatever it may be, um, because I like love to interact with people. It's my favorite thing to do. That's why I was so excited to hop on the show because I'm a fan of yours and I just wanted to talk Ravens football and you gave me that opportunity. So appreciate you guys. We'll see you at the tailgate on Thursday. Um, and then we'll do we'll do a fan meetup. So we like to meet up with our fans at the game at halftime. So stay tuned on on where we're doing that. But a lot of good Raven stuff. Let's get a win on Thursday and make everyone forget about Cleveland. I think it's so good because if they win on Thursday, you mentioned it just the Browns loss just washes away. If they lose, it just gets amplified even further. It'll be ugly. <laughs> It'll be ugly. Yeah, Marlon actually said that. He was like this feels a lot like the London week. So they played Pittsburgh on that Sunday, huge loss. People were obviously like, how do we lose that, all that? And then they left for London on Monday. So they didn't really have time to even like think about it. It was just on to the next. And because of how short of this week it is, they're able to do the same thing, which is really good for the team. And the one last thing I'll leave on is this is the difference and what gives me confidence in the Ravens. The Ravens fans, they like to overreact week to week. That's what we get to do as fans. This team, I've never seen a team so locked in on the goal that they're not 
they're, they're smart enough to know we can't, you know, we can learn, we learn, we fix, and then we move on. And so that should give Ravens fans confidence that it's not going to hang over them. It's not going to matter about last week. They're focused on Cincy. And I think we're going to win. I think it's going to be a big win for the Ravens. Yeah. And I'll, I'll leave on the same point, honestly, which is for me that after that Detroit game, they dominated. That game was over in the middle of the second quarter. And all you heard those players say was, I'm mad we didn't get the shutout or I could have done this better like that. They kind of celebrated the win, but not really because they, they were so focused on what they didn't do as opposed to what they did. So I think they are super locked into, I think they have that goal. Now it's just about going out there, players, coaches and and executing for sure. But Jackie, I appreciate your time. Thanks so much. And thank you for tuning in to Locked on Ravens. Again, be sure to subscribe on YouTube, follow along in audio form, the whole nine yards. Coming up tomorrow, we'll be previewing the Cincinnati game even further. So be sure to stay tuned. I'll see you right back here tomorrow on Locked on Ravens.